All right, no more announcements. Let's dive in this morning. John chapter one. I can't think of a better chapter or a book, especially if you're new in your faith, to look at or to study, to grow in your walk with Christ. Even John chapter one, just to digest this. Man, read it every day. But I want to just focus on a couple of verses that are so powerful to, to get going this morning. John writes this. He says, the true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. In other words, Jesus came, but they didn't even understand that he was the son of God. That's what John was saying. He said he came to which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And then let's just dial in on this verse right here. This is so powerful. Verse 12, he says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, but born of God. And whether you're brand new in your faith or you've been serving God for a long time, I just want to go back to some Bible basics because I think sometimes we, we miss these and forget just how powerful this is in our life. He says two important things in this passage that I want to just drill down on for a minute. He said there's two things that happen that changes our relationship with God. If you're taking notes, number one is this, is he says, we receive God. We receive Jesus in our life. And this word receive is so powerful because it's more than just accepting him. It's more than just raising our hand or clicking a, a, or checking a box on a card or, or saying a prayer. Receiving him, it takes it to a whole nother level. This word receiving right here, it says it, it really means to welcome a visitor in your home. To welcome a visitor in your home, to receive someone. Now, I don't know how you guys are when you have a party at your house or have a group at your house. Maybe you can think to a time when maybe you've had a, a kid's birthday party at your home and maybe the start time was 3 p.m. Have you ever been in a situation where you were expecting all the people to get there for the party? Like when you said the party was going to start? I don't know how you guys are, but sometimes we procrastinate, especially on occasions like this. So if you show up 30 minutes before the party's going to start, it doesn't look like a party quite yet in our home. It still like, looks like the Morris mess is what it looks like. But there have been a time or two, maybe you can relate, where somebody, you know, ringed the doorbell, rang the doorbell, that too. And, and they rang, and you know, about 30 minutes before the party, and you're like grabbing your, you know, shower and trying to get everything ready. I don't know about you. That's, that's a little bit frustrating when they show up. You know, we just happened to be in the neighborhood and we thought we'd just come early. Well, no, the party didn't start till three o'clock. And here's the deal is you don't want them showing up until the party's ready because you're trying to get all your stuff done. And once you receive people into your home, everything changes. You can't focus on yourself anymore. That shower you were going to get, you know, you're not getting a shower now. I mean, you're just going to go dirty. And, and all the stuff that was so important to you becomes, becomes not important when, when, when the guests are in the house, when you receive them in your home. It's the same, it's the same way during the holidays. Maybe you had family over for Easter, or maybe you can remember a holiday where you invited your family in to stay for a while. You know, there's two great times when you invite family into your house. When you welcome them in, and when you say goodbye, you know, I mean, this is the two best time with, with guests in your home because something changes when people are in your house. Let me ask you this this morning. 
How would your life look different if you made the decision to receive Jesus into every area of your life? If you welcomed him into your living room and and, and, and your bedroom and, and your car, maybe you would drive a little bit different if you knew Jesus was with you. I remember growing up, my, my brother and I was only two boys in our house. We would give each other the hardest times and usually we would wait till dinner time for all hell to break loose. That was when it usually happened. And one of the things that my mom would do is she would pull up a fifth chair to our dinner table. And she would say this, she said, I'm going to just bring up a chair for the Holy Spirit. And it was, it was a great reminder that Jesus was having dinner with us. That whatever we were fighting about wasn't that important. And we would change the way we acted if we knew that God was at the table with us. We would receive him. We don't just accept him, but we receive him. John says this as well. Not only do we receive him, but we believe him. We believe him. John, in, in his gospel, he says this word believe 43 different times. John 3.16, we know it so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him. This word believe it essentially means this, to trust completely, to trust completely. One of the things my dad at a young age, he would, he would pour into us his love and his trust for God. And my great grandfather was a pastor and a church planner, a great man that we looked up to. And my dad would say to us at a young age, he, said, he would say, Wes, I want you to know that I trust God so much that even if your great-grandfather were to turn his back on God, I would still serve God. I would still choose to believe that he, he wanted to pour into us that his trust was 100%, that it was complete in God. But I think sometimes our trust is sometimes so based on how things are going in our life. Like it's easy to trust God when, when everything is good. You know, I, I, I just had a moment here. I, I almost got distracted as I watched Koshche singing that last song. Every time I hear him sing that song, I get overwhelmed at the faith that I see in that man. Maybe what you don't know about Koshche is, number one, he's probably one of the smartest cancer doctors in the country. But he's also a dad. Just a few years ago, his three-year-old son was diagnosed with brain cancer, something that he knows all too well and has dealt with time and time again. And trusting and believing for a miracle, they watched their son not receive the miracle they were hoping for, but they watched their son go to be with Jesus. And when I hear a guy on this stage saying, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I recognize a man whose faith is built not in the circumstances of this life, but a faith that trusts an almighty God, an almighty God. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I've told Koshje many times, I said, Koshje, I want the kind of faith that you have. I want that kind of faith. I haven't walked what you've gone through, but I want to know that if I did go through it, that I would stand firm in my faith like you have. Man, you're, you're an anchor. You're, you're built solid in what you believe in the hope of Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. I think we need to understand that we're going to believe that God is faithful even when we're faithless. We need to believe that God is close even when he feels far away. 
We need to believe that God is good even when life is difficult. My encouragement to you today, no matter whether you've been serving God for a week or a long time, man, just take another step in God. That's my hope for you this morning is that wherever you're at in your faith, man, faith, the way I see our walk with Christ is like a marathon. It's a marathon journey. A couple of weeks ago, it was on a Sunday morning. One of the guys walked up to me. He said, Wes, would you be praying for my daughter? She's going to be running in the Boston Marathon tomorrow. I said, absolutely. You know, I'd love to pray for her. And I thought about it Monday morning and I shot him a text. I said, I'm praying for Ashley. And he reached back out to me and he said, man, thank you so much for praying. He said, here is her bib number. Maybe you, you can keep an eye out to see if you can find her. And when I got that text message, I almost laughed. I was kind of taken back. Like, what am I going to do? Just watch TV for hours and hope I just randomly, there she is. There's like thousands of people running the Boston Marathon. And then I realized I went on Twitter and I saw their, their account and they had this link to download an app for the Boston Marathon. Now, this is cool, man. And I downloaded the Boston Marathon app and I was able to enter Ashley's number. And it was amazing. They must have some kind of GPS tracker on their shoe or their bib or something that allows you to see every moment while they're running the marathon. And there I was Monday morning. I'm, I'm sitting. I, I, I checked the app and I'm on my couch and nothing will make you feel more lazy Than sitting on your couch watching your phone of somebody running a marathon. Pass me the chips, man. Yeah, I'm just I'm tracking with her. And uh, there reached a point. It was so cool. I, I happened to catch it right as the as the fastest guys were finishing the race. Now this was unbelievable because I started tracking them too. These guys were running sub five minute miles for 26 miles. I mean, my heart just started racing watching the app. And they got to mile 26 and something amazing happened. They started going faster. They went from running 455 a mile to running 425 a mile. Unbelievable. As a matter of fact, the next morning I was at the gym and I thought, you know what? Let me just see if I can run that fast for 30 seconds. That wasn't a good idea, everybody. Two things I learned. Number one, the the treadmill doesn't even go that fast. And second, neither do I. It It would have been a YouTube sensation, I'm telling you. It was bad. And I'm watching this. And, and Ashley was nowhere near as fast as the runner. She started out great, but the weather was terrible. Man, it was cold, rainy, and windy. And man, she had some tough miles. I, I kept getting notifications. It was so cool. I'm getting notifications on my phone. And she, she didn't even know who I am, but I, I was cheering her on. And here about mile 17, 18, her, her time really went down. She was running 14-minute miles. And I got a notification Five hours later, that Ashley finished the Boston Marathon in five hours and about five minutes. Man, I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. Listen, here's what nobody was doing at the end of that race. Nobody, 
As Ashley crossed the line, nobody grabbed Ashley and said, come on, Ashley, you could have done faster than that. You could have done four and a half hours. Mile 18, well, you're slacking, man. What's their deal? Nobody was saying anything like that. They were saying, congratulations, Ashley. You finished the Boston Marathon. Let me tell you today, your faith and your walk with God is like a marathon. And some of you are at mile 17 and 18 and you feel like giving up because the wind and the rain and the weather and the situation of your life make you feel like giving up. Can I just encourage you today? Somebody just take one more step and stay in the race that God has called you to run. Stay in the race. Stay in the race. I think some of you have have sprinted along and you've probably run at a pace that you're not ready to handle. And it's not about getting there the fastest. It's about getting there. It's about hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I just want to give us three or four things this morning that will help us take the next step in our walk with God today. Wherever you're at. Number one is this. It's make Jesus my priority. Make Jesus my priority. Just imagine for a minute, everybody, that, that the president of your company reached out to you this afternoon and gave you a phone call and said, hey, man, I'm wondering if, if we could set up a five-minute meeting for Monday morning at 8 a.m. I just want to talk to you just for five. I want to encourage you. I, I want to just kind of help you set the tone for your day. I would love to just share a little bit about what's going on and I just speak life into you. I mean, I've got a word of wisdom that I think would guide you and help you navigate your day and really just help make your Monday all that it was meant to be. Can you imagine if you responded to her, to the president of your company? No, you know what? I appreciate it, but I am so sorry. I am so busy tomorrow. I mean, at 5.30, I'm going to be at, at the gym, getting the bod ready and tight, you know, and, and, and then I'm coming home. I got to take the kids to school and then I got a quick run. I've got a grocery pickup at Walmart. I'm going to be by there and I've got to get in the office. Man, there are so many deadlines I've got to meet on Monday. We wouldn't have a job on Tuesday. And here's the deal. The creator of the world the one who formed us in our mother's womb is looking for an opportunity to connect with us for a few minutes and help speak life and wisdom and encouragement. Encouragement, And so many of us are like, no, I don't have to. Let me just meet with you Sunday morning at 11, hear a few good songs and a good word, and I think that'll be all I need. And God is saying, I've got so much more. What if you made me a priority What if you made me first in your life? John, Jesus says this in John chapter six. He says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, I'm the bread of life. I don't know about you, but I love some good bread. I especially love the bread at Carabas, man, with the dipping sauce and the seasoning. And by the way, they're building a Carabas in Wesley Chapel. Thank you, Lord. I mean, great. We were really hurting for a restaurant here in Wesley Chapel, and thank goodness we got one now. Listen, you don't, you don't like 
have a debate for whether or not you're going to eat lunch today. I mean, you don't go into a process of going, man, should we eat? Should we not eat? No, it's a priority in your life. Your body demands it. It's, it's calling for it. And your spiritual life is the same way. It's, it's designed to crave it, to, to feed off of it. So many of us, man, we put it last in our life. And Jesus is saying, make me a priority. I'm the bread of the li- your life. I'm the one that sustains you. The second thing is this is, is create accountability. Make Jesus a priority, but, but also create accountability. Because you're going to grow stronger in your spiritual life when somebody else knows your name and knows who you are and knows what's going on in your life. About three weeks ago, I was leaving service, and one of our college students, they go to the same gym I do. And as we're leaving service, they just looked at me and said, hey, you know, there's a 5.30 a.m. class. And they said, hey, well, I see you tomorrow at the 5.30 a.m. class. Well, I'm all filled up on Jesus right after church and faith and feeling good. And I said, of course, I will be there. I will see you there. Listen, when I laid my head down at 1030 on that Sunday night, I did not think, oh, man, I can't wait to get up for that 530 class. But I looked at Jen. I said, hey, I told this person that I'm going to be there. I've got to be there tomorrow when somebody else knows what's going on in my life and I'm accountable to them, man, I'm going to grow stronger. I'm going to show up more. For some of us, we're doing it all alone and wondering why we're not experiencing all that God has for us because we haven't created accountability. Nobody knows our name. Nobody knows our struggles and what we're going through. And that's why we challenge you. Get on a team, get in a group, go to start, take a next step in your walk with God. First Thessalonians says this, speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope. So you'll all be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. Create accountability. Make Jesus your first priority. Number three is this. Remove distractions. Remove distractions. Here's what I know this morning. The the closer and the stronger you desire to get closer to God, the more the enemy is going to do his best to distract you. Let me tell you, you want to experience spiritual attack in your life? Press into God. Just know that it's coming. Know that the enemy doesn't like what God is doing in your life. and be, He's going to do everything he can to distract you. I, I find this in, my, in every area of my life. Man, as soon as I start eating right, I, I see the, the donuts go bogo, man. I mean, it's just every time. I start noticing all the bad things, the things I shouldn't be doing. And it's the same thing in our spiritual life. I, I love this year, Jen made a decision. Her word of the year this year has been the word simplify. And, and man, it's been so fun because I just, it just resonated with me. So we have been on this journey of just decluttering. I mean, I think decluttering is my love language, everybody. I mean, she says, should we throw this away? My immediate response is yes, yes, yes. We do not, it's stuff. And I kind of love this process of making life more simple. Let me just ask you today, spiritually in your life, what do you need to declutter? What is, what is stealing the time in your life away from what really matters most? 
What is keeping you from your family? What is keeping you from the things of God? Maybe right now there's, there's one thing that I, I had a conversation with Jen this week. I had to be really honest with her. I said, babe, we are three weeks into the baseball season and I have watched en- enough baseball for all year long. I mean, and I just realized it was starting to become a little bit of a stronghold and we're only three weeks in this. It's a long season, everybody. Can I be vulnerable with you for a moment? I just had a conversation with you. I said, babe, I need to fast baseball for like two days or maybe, maybe a week, but <laughs> I, I just need a break because I get emotionally attached to it. And I find myself, I'm going to bed and I'm frustrated. They gave up the lead in the ninth inning and I can't sleep over a game. And some of us, you're the same way. There's areas in your life, they're distractions that are keeping you from things that are stealing your joy and stealing your peace. They're not what God wants for you. You got to declutter and simplify. Say, God, I want to place you first. And number four, we'll close with this. Let's make this decision to go all in with God. Go all in with God. Not halfway. You're going to start that race. You're going to run that race. And you're going to finish that race. And you're going to keep your eyes on the prize, everything that God has for you. I just want to challenge you. Some of you, you know you need to take that next step in baptism next week. Oh, yeah, you've said, man, I'll just do that down the road. But God is speaking to you. It's going to be so fun. I mean, it's going to, everybody, next week, Cinco de Mayo. It's going to be Fiesta Baptism here at Bay Chapel. <laughs> oh, man, I mean, and it's going to be a blast. We will hold you down as long as we need to hold you down, man. I'm telling you. I just want to challenge you. Go, go public with your faith and watch what God will do in your life as you say yes. Say, God, I'm all in. Take a next step. Be committed. Be willing to lay your life on the line because God laid his life on the line for you. I love the way Paul sums it up in Philippians 3. He says this, I know I have not arrived, but there's one thing I'm doing. I'm leaving my old life behind, putting everything on the line for this mission. I am sprinting toward the only goal that counts, to cross the line, to win the prize, and to hear God's call to resurrection life. I don't know about you. I want to live that kind of life. A life says, God, I want to be a mediocre follower. I don't want to be occasional. I want to be committed, be all in with the things that you've called me to do. Why don't you just take a moment right now and everybody, would you just bow your heads as we close today?